Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to a history of Europe. Key battles. The Battle of Bouvines, the year 1214, part 1. In a recent collection of podcasts entitled The Siege of Chateau Gaillard, I told the story of medieval France and England up until 1204, when the Capetian king, Philip II, based in Paris, conquered Normandy from King John of England. If you haven't yet listened to this set of four podcasts, it might be a good idea to do so now to give background on today's key battle, the Battle of Bouvines. This is a suggestion, not a necessity. This set of episodes should also make sense on their own, so feel free also to continue listening either way. In the mid to late 12th century, the Plantagenet king, Henry II of England, assembled a collection of lands which are known to history as the Angevin Empire. With lands covering considerable territory in France, as well as the whole of England, Henry became the most powerful and respected monarch in all of Western Europe. However, his final years were spent fighting his own sons, all of whom were highly ambitious and keen to establish their own domains. The French kings of the Capetian dynasty, King Louis VII of France, and then from 1180 his son, Philip II Augustus, skillfully exploited those Plantagenet family divisions to help boost their own kingdom. Not many years before, Philip's predecessors had struggled to maintain any influence beyond, and sometimes even within, the royal domain around Paris. But after years of cunning diplomacy, and the capture of numerous French castles, such as Chateau Gaillard, the Capetian kings succeeded in strengthening and extending their authority into most regions of modern-day France. This was achieved at the expense of their numerous political rivals, not only the Kingdom of England, but just as importantly, the numerous dukes, counts and barons around France, who had become accustomed to wielding effective local control over their particular lands. Political power in France was in the process of becoming much more centralised. By the year 1204, when Philip Augustus arrested control of the Duchy of Normandy from King John of England, the balance of power between the two monarchies had decisively turned. So decisively that the people of England now felt under serious threat from a possible invasion from France. The long-running Capetian-Plantagenet struggle for power, however, was not yet over, and would reach another decisive point a decade later. This time the leaders of the other main power of the Western Europe, Germany, would be brought into the conflict, and so also have important consequences for Central Europe and Italy. 
And so for the rest of this episode, I will get us up to date with the political situation in Germany. Close political relations between England and Germany went back at least a century, to the year 1114, when Henry I of England married off his daughter Matilda to the then German Emperor Henry V. This was the same Matilda who later fought in the civil war for the succession to the throne after her father's death. The marriage strengthened commercial ties with the continent, especially Flanders, Cologne and the Rhineland, based largely on the export of English wool. The two main rival dynasties in Germany in the 12th century were called the Welfs and the Hohenstaufen. From the 1130s, the Hohenstaufens occupied the German throne, from 1152 in the person of Frederick I Barbarossa, one of the most talented of all medieval monarchs. On assuming the throne, Frederick was in a position not dissimilar to that of the contemporary kings of France. The German monarchy was largely a nominal title, the king entitled to no extra resources than those from his own duchy. Germany at the time was a patchwork of more than 1,600 individual states, each with its own prince. A few of these, such as Bavaria and Saxony, were large, but many were too small to pinpoint on a map. Frederick Barbarossa was determined to restore the authority of the throne, which he had previously enjoyed under Charlemagne and then Otto I the Great. To a large extent, he achieved this goal through strong military leadership, extraordinary diplomatic and organisational skills, and his longevity. Among his achievements was the re-establishment of the Corpus Juris Civilis, or the Roman rule of law, which counterbalanced the power of the Church in legal matters. In addition, as Holy Roman Emperor, as well as King of the Germans, and so heir to the emperors of ancient Rome, Frederick believed it was his right to rule not only over Germany, but also Italy, and for this reason led a total of six expeditions into the peninsula to assert his authority there. However, the emperor met resistance from both the Pope in Rome and from the regional leaders of northern Italy, who united together under the banner of the Lombard League, and his ambitions were thwarted in the 1170s. Frederick blamed his defeat on the refusal of the head of the rival wealth dynasty, Henry the Lion, to come to his aid. Henry the Lion had by this time established under himself a powerful state of his own, comprising Saxony, Bavaria and substantial territories in the north and east of Germany. Taking advantage of the hostility of other German princes to Henry, Frederick had him tried in absentia by a court of bishops and princes in 1180. He insisted that imperial law overruled traditional German law and had Henry stripped of his lands and declared an outlaw. He then invaded Saxony with an imperial army to force his rival to surrender. Henry's allies deserted him, and he finally had to submit in November 1181. Henry the Lion spent three years in exile at the court of his father-in-law, Henry II of England, in Normandy, before being allowed back into Germany, and finished his days in Germany as the much-diminished Duke of Brunswick. Frederick's grand ambition to unite Germany and Italy under imperial rule 
were promoted by the marriage of his son, Henry, to Constance of Sicily, heiress to the Norman Kingdom of Sicily, in January 1186, when they were crowned King and Queen of Italy. The Emperor was by now in his sixties, but in spite of his age, agreed to join the Third Crusade. However, in 1190, on his way across Anatolia, he drowned in a river, and so ended his long and largely successful reign. Frederick was succeeded by his son, who became Henry VI of Germany. The young new king's first priority was to assert his claim to the throne of Sicily, which had become vacant, but had been claimed by the Norman Count of Lecce, who was named Tancred. To this end, Henry VI led an army into Italy, but was forced to return to Germany on receiving news of a rebellion back home. Not only was his father's old rival, Henry the Lion, in revolt again, but also the nobility of the Rhineland and Westphalia, who had risen in opposition over the appointment of the Bishop of Liège. Henry the Lion was supported by the English crown, his wife was a daughter of Henry II of England, a marriage which had strengthened the existing Angevin Wealth Alliance, and these bonds became yet closer in the 1180s, when the Duke was in political exile in his father-in-law's court. In fact, the Duke's son, Otto Brunswick, the future Emperor Otto IV, spent his formative years in England, where he had many close friends, in particular Richard de Lionheart. Later, Richard seemed to have attempted to make Otto King of Scotland, and maybe even considered him a successor as King of England. Anyhow, the Angevines' main aim of their alliance with the Welfs was to encourage them in their border disputes against the French crown, mainly in the Lower Rhine and the Low Countries. Then, in 1193, Emperor Henry VI had a stroke of good fortune when the Duke of Austria captured Richard de Lionheart on his way back from the Third Crusade. Richard was handed over to the Emperor and imprisoned as revenge for Richard's support for the Welfs and for Tancred of Lecce. Otto travelled to Germany to help negotiate Henry's release, offering himself as a hostage in his friend's place. Philip II of France, on the other hand, actively tried to encourage the Emperor to keep Richard prisoner, but eventually, after nearly a whole year, Richard managed to procure his release, in exchange for the huge ransom and the oath of allegiance to Henry VI. Henry used the ransom money to fund an expedition into Sicily, and this time he met little resistance, and on 25th of December 1194 was crowned King of Sicily. The very day after, his wife Constance gave birth to a son and heir, also called Frederick, the future Emperor Frederick II. Henry VI was now the most powerful monarch in Europe, since the Sicilian kingdom added to his personal and imperial revenues an income without parallel in Europe. Yet Henry's ambitions were even greater. As emperor, he claimed himself universal ruler of Christendom, a concept which collided with the ideology of the Byzantine emperors, who had their own claims as being the successors of the emperors of ancient Rome, and therefore overall rulers of the Christian world. Henry VI began to put pressure on the Byzantines, laying claim to the territory in the Balkans, around Dyrrhachium, the same area fought over a century before by the Normans and Emperor Alexius. 
Upon the deposition of the Byzantine Emperor Isaac II in 1195, Henry saw a pretext for making a claim for Constantinople. He betrothed his younger brother, Philip of Swabia, to a daughter of Isaac's, so opening up a perspective to unite the Western and Eastern Empire under Hohenstaufen rule. According to the contemporary chronicler Nikitas Coniatis, who provided an invaluable account of the Fourth Crusade, Henry VI used the threat of war as a means to demand a very substantial tribute from Isaac's brother and successor, Alexius III. Henry's grandiose ambitions for Sicily, Constantinople and universal rule were cut short by a sudden and unexpected death in September 1197. It is thought he may have died from malaria, although it is also possible that he was poisoned. He had, after all, gained a large number of enemies, thanks to his grand ambitions. Henry's son, Frederick, was only two years old at the time, and although the infant was crowned King of Sicily, little attention was paid to him, especially north of the Alps. Seven months later, in March 1198, most of the German nobility elected Philip of Swabia, Henry VI's brother, as King of Germany. But in June, a rival group, led by Adolf, the Archbishop of Cologne, whose commercial interests were closely bound up with England, chose instead Otto of Brunswick as their leader. And so began nearly two decades of civil war within Germany over the succession of Henry VI. Both rival claimants sought to bring over the various nobles to their side, often with gifts of money or promises of offices. Otto was materially assisted by Richard de Lionheart and later his successor, King John. Philip of Swabia, meanwhile, forged an alliance with Philip II, Augustus of France, against the English king and his nephew. As for the church, papal policy at the time had been determined by the need to prevent any reunion of Sicily and the empire, with the fear that such a state would sandwich the papal states in central Italy and threaten its existence. For this reason, Pope Innocent III accepted Otto in 1201 in preference to the apparently less cooperative Hohenstaufen. But Otto still found it difficult to maintain his support, especially after the blows dealt to the Angevin cause by Philip II of France during his conquest of Normandy in 1204. Even Adolf, Archbishop of Cologne, lost faith in him and so decided to switch sides to Philip of Swabia, and crown him king once more in January 1205 in the city of Aachen. In 1208, Philip seemed on the verge of gaining the support of the Pope, which would have made his position virtually unassailable. But in June 1208, he was assassinated and the whole situation changed again. Innocent turned back to Otto, who promised the Pope what he wanted to hear to give up all claims to not only Sicily and several North Italian territories, but also rights over ecclesiastical appointments, over which there had been so much contention in the 12th century. And so, on the 4th of October, 1209, Otto finally achieved his ambition of becoming Holy Roman Emperor, crowned as Otto IV in Rome. But no sooner had he received the crown, he started to flagrantly break the promises he had just made to the papacy. His army, which had accompanied him into Italy for the coronation, was now led in the direction of Sicily, in order to take control of the strategic island. 
Innocent was deeply shocked about Otto's change of course. He expressed his dismay in a letter. Quote, the sword that we ourselves have forged strikes us deep wounds, end quote. And in November 1210, he excommunicated the emperor. Were Philip of Swabia dead and Otto IV excommunicate, the now teenage Frederick II saw an opportunity and decided to gamble and making a bid for what he undoubtedly saw as his rightful inheritance. He was encouraged in this by Innocent and also Philip II of France, united now in their determination to get rid of Otto. By the autumn of 1211, Frederick judged he had enough support in Germany to risk the journey north and gather his supporters there. He met with Prince Louis, the son of Philip of France, where the two sides formed an official alliance. Frederick received the considerable sum of 20,000 livres, which proved invaluable for helping extend his support. Meanwhile, Otto IV, on the other hand, was proving an unpopular emperor. He was steadily losing support in Germany, although he still kept a number of allies in his base around the Rhineland and Saxony. Things would have been even worse for Otto were it not for the financial support of King John of England, who was eager to find allies on the continent for his long-planned invasion of France. John was determined, despite a distinct lack of interest among the English nobility, to retake lands in Normandy, which he had lost a decade before. Next week, the focus of the story returns to him. A huge thanks to everybody who has recently helped support the podcast, either writing to me or making a donation or liking the History of Europe Key Battles Facebook page. Also, thank you for listening. I hope you can join me for the next part of the Battle of Bouvines of the year 1214. Have a great week and goodbye. 